by my bed Folded hands and tilted head I thank the Lord for my water and my bread Thankful to be a part of God's flock of chosen sheep Waking from my slumber while the world is still asleep Freedom loving Patriotic, deplorable bum. I reside in the States, but Scotland is where I'm from. Sometimes I feel defeated, but we will always stand tall. Fighting with my family, we go on, we go on. We Good evening, family. How's everybody doing today? I hope you all had an absolutely beautiful weekend. We did here. It was a little bit rainy, but we got a lot done anyways. 
Guys, uh, enjoyed the show on Friday. It was such a fun episode. We're going to be making all the orders for the shirts, hoodies, and everything this evening. So they will be out as soon as they arrive and we get those things put together. But it was absolutely fun, and I hope you all had a great time too. This is Kilted Christian, episode 498. We've got Jim Oliver. We've got Nick Costco with us tonight. Um, Dave Gribble will be coming on with us another point. We've also got Moonwolf here. It's going to be a phenomenal conversation, guys. So get ready. Once again, Kilted Christian, episode 498. Let's get to it. We are many nations around the world, comprised of many cultures, but we stand together in a battle between good and evil. We're the seekers of wisdom, the bringers of truth, the hands of heaven, and the voices of reason. As the world tries to divide us by our differences, we only grow stronger as we are bound together as the children of God. And for those of you that I did not get a chance to say hello to, God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us this evening, as well as all those that are going to be joining us during post-production once we get this show up. I love you all very much, and I am so thankful that you join us here every night. So let's go ahead and say hi. We'll say hello to Moonwolf first. Nathan, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing well, Duncan. How are you doing today, brother? I'm excited, man. It's going to be a great show. I'm, I, I love the shows that I get to learn, too. You know, a lot of the shows that we do, um, I have a good bit of knowledge and understanding of what we're doing. Um, this one right here, I got Nathan on because more educated in this as well. And our guests are phenomenal. We're going to be putting up links for the their audio, which got released today for their book. And then the book you can also download as well as hard copies. So we will get those links up as soon as the show is over. So let's go ahead and say hello to our guests first. First, we're going to say hello to Mr. Jim Oliver. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing great, Duncan. Nathan, how are you guys doing? Um, I'm excited to share with the audience about infinite banking and creating wealth and freedom and all the things that uh, all, all of us love to talk about. Oh, yeah. And this is, like I said, this is a group that's ready to listen. Um, there's so much that we can learn about, you know, what we have is rights. And a lot of people don't realize like, because we only know what we're taught in school. Very few people understand their constitutional rights as a sovereign citizen and so forth. Um, there's a lot that we can learn in order to better ourselves financially and get out from underneath the slave system. Um, so usually we do a little bit of news before we go into the topic of the evening. But guess what, guys? The news hasn't changed. Biden hasn't made the world any better, and it'll be the same crappy thing tomorrow. So we will get into that tomorrow. But tonight, we're going to get into the topic immediately. First, I want to say hello to Nick Costco. How are you doing, brother? I'd be a fool to complain tonight. Uh, thank you for having us on tonight. We're happy to uh, just talk about, you know, like what you said, uh, my favorite F word is freedom. Yes. And uh, the world teaches us a completely different message. And you, you're... Uh, you guys are spreading a lot of awesome signal amongst all the noise. And that's frankly what people are starving for. Yeah. People, um, a lot of people are stepping up now because they realize how um, unstable, not just our country, but the world is in general. And it's not going to be a broken system that fixes a broken system. It's going to be the citizens of each country that are going to make the changes in this world. And it begins with us at a local level, all the way to the top. It's not the reverse. A lot of people start up and move down we got to fix our local things first and then kind of move on up, but understand what we are capable of as citizens of this country and the rights that we have. So um, you guys go ahead and start up. And like I said, you know, we're not Hannity, so we will let you talk as much as you want to because you guys are a <laughs> fountain of information. Before we start, though, before you guys get in there, can I say one thing about this? This has been a long time in the making, everybody who's listening, because I've been trying to spread the knowledge here about just a new system of having wealth. And wouldn't you know it, one of our listeners also works with Jim, and that's how we got the connection to get this interview going. So, Jim, 
Welcome aboard, sir. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for having us. And you know, so if you think about uh, something, Duncan Nathan is um, we a lot of people, most people, exchange time for money, right? And the government is debasing our money, right? So, and which is a form of theft. I mean, they're printing more, meaning the money in your pocket is going down in value. So if we're exchanging time for money and they're stealing our money, they're stealing our time. Well, our lives on earth anyway is measured in time. So until we graduate from this earth, it's measured in time. So if they're stealing our money, then they're stealing our time, which is our lives. So they're stealing our lives, which is the very definition of slavery. Amen. Yes. So when somebody says, I'm not a financial slave, oh, you are, but that doesn't mean that you don't go down without a fight and you can have freedom in money. And one of the things that we're solving, one of the things that uh, infinite banking solves is one problem that we all have. And it's that we finance, you know, we all want these nice things. We want nice cars. We want boats. We want all of these things. My 15 year old, um, she knows uh, that she has to drive when she's 16 because it's just her and me, right? So <laughs> me getting up, taking her to school, picking her up. I mean, th this has got to have an expiration date. So she's kind of got in her mind that she wants this Ford Bronco, right? Now the Ford Bronco, you don't have to look it up. I've already have. It starts out at around $52,000. By the Jeez. way, I'm not saying she's getting this car. But what I'm saying is, it's not me going and buying that car for $52,000, right? It's either I'm going to pay somebody else interest, which is what most people do, or I'm going to take $52,000 of cash, buy the car, a depreciating asset, and whatever that $52,000 could have grown to is gone, right? Yeah. So that car might cost me $200,000, $500,000. Who knows what I could have done with that money? So we're solving this problem. We finance every single thing that we buy. We either pay someone else interest or we give up interest we could have earned somewhere else. There's no exceptions. Nelson Nash pounded that into my head, into our heads. And, you know, it takes a little bit. You have to hear that a couple of times to accept it. And then the slave mentality with that is, well, there's nothing I can do about it. So, I mean, if we're all going down, we're all going down together. So you no, mentioned the wrong attitude. You mentioned Nelson Nash. Now, please explain to this, some of the listeners here who yes. Nelson Nash is, because he's right. a fantastic Christian guy. And I've learned a little bit through the books that I've read with you. And he, I think that listeners should know that he's also like us. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Nelson, if Nelson was still here, and I really wish he was, is... Um, Nelson uh, was a uh, was a devout Christian. Was just uh, he was all about freedom. He, I mean, he he wanted to bring infinite banking to Mises. I mean, like this guy was about freedom, right? He was about bringing things to the you and me level. But Nelson discovered infinite banking. Obviously, God created infinite banking. Nelson didn't create it, but God helped Nelson discover what he had created, and he did 
he did it at three o'clock in the morning as Nelson was on his knees praying to God, hey, get me out of this situation. Well, what was the situation Nelson was in? He was he owed over five hundred thousand dollars in for real a real estate investment at twenty three percent. Oh wow! And that was back in nineteen eighty, right? So he's 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 on his knees saying, "God, show me a way out of this. This is this stress and pressure and this interest is killing me." And um, the answer came to him. His brother was in the insurance business. His brother had sold him insurance policies. And he could take a loan against those insurance policies for 8% interest only instead of 23%, right? Mm -hmm. So Nelson went, wait a minute, an insurance contract can do that? Then he looked at his brother and he said, how come you didn't sell me more of this stuff, (laughs) right? And so Nelson, he started to develop and use and prove in his own life how to use this and how to recapture every dollar that he was paying to banks. Okay. Now, by the way, banks are evil. Yes. They, they finance both sides of every war that's ever been fought. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not your friend that works at the bank. I'm not saying they're evil. The banking system is evil. Okay. So Nelson, he, he advocated secede from the banking system Mm, pay yourself interest instead of letting somebody else use your money yeah right and he wrote this book called becoming your own banker unlocking the infinite banking concept it's 92 pages it's 100 percent biblical i don't know how many bible verses there are in it i should know that i've read this book so many times it would uh, make (laughs) your head spin but Nelson wrote the book and kind of like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, where Robert Kiyosaki was going to um, use the book as as an explanation on how to play cash flow, the game that he created. I read those books, yeah. Yeah, and so um, Nelson wrote the book, but he then said, okay, people read the 92-page book. They don't really get it. I'm going to do a 10-hour seminar explaining the book to people. And so that's what he would do. He would do a two-day seminar, and he did it all the way up to, what, Nick, a year or two before he passed? I mean, at 87, this is 88, maybe um, his last seminar, 10 hours. But before he started the seminar, he would hold up his Bible. And I remember when he did this at Nick's church in Louisville, Kentucky, and he, and he, he would say, everything that you're going to hear today is through the lens of this book. And if you don't know this book, this is the most important thing. Come see me at a break after the seminar, and we'll take as much time as we need to for you to understand this book. And, uh, and that's what I love because that caught my eye and my ear that I'm looking for something that I never have to apologize for. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for something that's um, fail-proof. And, and infinite banking is fail-proof. And, and Nelson spent his whole life helping other people understand this concept. He didn't monetize it at all. He didn't sell one insurance policy. He could have 
I think he was licensed at one point. I don't know when it, when it fell <laughs> off. Maybe it never did. But he could have made millions of dollars explaining this to people. But he was passionate about getting the message out there. And so that's Nelson. I would call him the godfather of infinite banking and a man that uh, was as passionate about Christianity and freedom and the Bible as anybody that you you would meet. And I got to tell you another just quick, funny Nelson story, because I, I could I could do that for the whole time, but I promise I won't. <laughs> okay, I won't do it. I, they don't Nelson, get old. They don't get old to me. That's for sure. I know when he when he came to um, when he came to do a a, a a seminar in Iowa, Sioux City, Iowa, and um, when Nelson would come, he he would stay through Sunday and go to church, and then he'd fly out in the afternoon. And so I said, "Hey, Nelson, um, my church, you know, we're kind of we're real casual." And he was Baptist, right? So he, I'd say. You know, look, we're real casual, like rock music and like loud and it's fun and everything. And look, you might not be comfortable with that. If you want to go to the Baptist church, we'll all go to the Baptist church, right? And he goes, he said, Jim, we'll we'll go to your church. So he comes <laughs> to the church and he's in the he, he was in the uh uh he, he was in the choir at his church, but as just it would happen, he's right under a speaker and it's louder than even normal but you know what nelson belted out praise <laughs> music like you had never heard and, and uh i thought he's you know just made him a little bit more my hero uh uh that day so uh that's that's my that's my quick version of nelson nash so you said some important things there as well because uh nelson nash's main focus was the christian way of teaching this thing and um, he was very passionate about showing people how to be good stewards of their money so that way they can continue the kingdom work. And Amen. there are some people who practice the IBC, or they call it IBC, that are not following this method. So can you explain that a little bit, why people should be cautious by just going with anybody? Yeah, so there's a lot of people out there. And you know what? You guys see this in every subject that you could think of is there are people out there that are great marketers. Mm -hmm. You know, they can get your attention on social media and they can do a lot of damage because a lot of them haven't been doing this very long. Now, Nelson was a forester. So one of the things he taught us is to think long-term, right? You got to think long-term as a forester that or that, that's the only way. And so when you do infinite banking, you think abundantly you think long term, and I when I when I think of infinite banking for myself or for Nick's family, I want to think three generations ahead. Yeah. Okay. And so what these guys would do is they would advocate on what is the latest, greatest, whose policy is paying the highest dividend today. <laughs> um, is it IUL, which is Index Universal Life? Well, look, its potential is higher than whole life, which isn't necessarily true, but potential doesn't mean anything. Yeah, whole life has two different columns when you look at an illustration. Guaranteed, that means the worst case scenario, the worst case scenario. And the other side is current market conditions. But that's for 40 years. Are current market conditions gonna, or more? Are they going to stay the same no. for 40 years? No. So that's a lie. 
The only thing that we can count on is the guarantee. So we want a robust guarantee. And then the dividend, they all invest in the same things. If somebody's paying a higher dividend today, five years from now, they might be paying a lower dividend. I can't count on that. But also it's my behavior, right? It's my behavior that determines how efficient my infinite banking system is. So if we were going to go climb Mount Everest tomorrow, we'd all have the best gear, right? I'm going to make sure we got the best gear, got the best shoes, we got the best jackets, goggles, all that stuff, right? But what's the most important thing? Best guide. The best guide. I'm going to find <laughs> us the best Sherpa, the guy that's been up and down that mountain more times safely than anybody else. I'm not going with the guy that's, that he's got the flashy orange, bright, hey, look at me, look at me. <laughs> like, that's the marketing guy. Hey, how many times have you been up the mountain? Twice. What happened to your fingers? Oh, that was once. <laughs> like, like, I don't want that guy. I want the guy that's got all his fingers, all his toes, and he's been up and down that mountain 100 times or more. So these guys, they just don't know what they don't know. And they, they explain infinite banking from a scarce standpoint. Money has to flow. Motion is a law of God. If air doesn't flow in and out of our bodies, we die. If blood doesn't flow through our veins, we die. If water doesn't flow, it becomes stagnant, it's dead. And if your money doesn't flow, it dies. How much of your money? A little bit of your money? No, all of your money has to flow. Yeah. So when these guys that are good marketers, when they're looking at it from a scare standpoint and saying, hey, look, let's start first. Don't worry about finishing first. Let's just start first. We'll be, we'll get out of the gate faster. It's short-sighted. And, and I tell people, and Nick tells people every day, we are, we're in this for the long haul. And Nelson taught us, and we teach everybody, people every day. And if you can't tell, we're really passionate about it. <laughs> so you teach people every day, but you also have done a fantastic job of creating this community app um, where we can go in and learn all these classes. And a lot of people are not taught the truth about m the math behind money. They listen to people like yeah. Dave Ramsey and um, all these gurus and they say, invest it in this or stick it in a 401k and the government actually makes out fantastic by you sticking your money in a 401k because you can't touch it and they get to reap all the benefits in the end of the life. So can you explain some of that, how the infinite banking system helps save people from paying the um, tax on the harvest and instead of paying the tax on the seed? And that yeah. way they can transfer that wealth to the next generation. Yeah, because we're, we're, we're in a world of instant gratification. People need yep. to learn patience. That's something important that you said is, you know, looking down the road and so many people want it tomorrow. And that's one thing is, you know, everyone in this world, we need to learn a little bit of patience and start thinking of the future rather than the instant gratification. Cause everything, the devil has designed everything in this world to be instant. And that's one of the biggest problems that, that we have, I think. Yeah. So when we think about a 401k and an IRA and a 403b and whatever company you work for, there's, you know, like if it's nonprofit, you know, you have a 403B, you know, there's there's profit sharing plans, or, but they're all under this umbrella called qualified plans. So let me just ask you three questions 
And and Nathan, you you kind of uh, gave away the answer on the last one, but it's okay. So three questions, and I'll just ask you, Duncan, because um, Nathan's heard this, I know from the material online, is are taxes going up or down, Duncan? Uh, taxes are going up. Right, without a doubt. Yeah. David Walker, who was the Comptroller General of the United States, said it's math. Mm -hmm. Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, and the interest on the debt, taxes have to go up. It doesn't matter who's in power. Okay. That, and by the way, I'm not talking about 401ks. I'm just asking you three basic questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is um, The next question is the dollars in your pocket, are they worth more today or in the future? And right now, I'd say they're worth more today than they are in the future because I'm watching the economy, the, the faux economy be manipulated in front of our eyes. And our dollar bill that's in our pocket right now is worth the paper it's printed on. Because of monetary debasement, mm -hmm. right, right? And I would agree with you at some point in time, this is going to be like the 20s in Germany and our dollar is not going to be worth anything. Yeah. But um, when I was a kid, you could buy five candy bars for a dollar. Yes. <laughs> And I remember, like, if you had a dollar, I mean, you had enough candy for at least a couple of days. Uh, <laughs> or a good back. day. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, Jim, Jim's so, pretty old, by the way. Yeah, by the way. Yeah, I know. And, uh, but uh, so the dollars in our pocket are always worth more today than in the future because of monetary debasement, right? And then the last question that Nathan touched on, would you rather pay tax on the seed or on the harvest? The little amount or the big amount? I'd rather uh, on the big amount. No, you want to pay tax on that? Or no taxes, no taxes on the little amount. Yes. Yeah, right. Definitely. Okay. So the three questions that I just asked you, 401ks, all qualified plans violate all three of those questions. Yeah. Okay, because here's what they expect you to do. Put good dollars today into something that's like a prison. You can't touch it without a penalty and tax for 20, 30, 40 years, depending on how old you are. And then if you don't touch it, then you have to touch it. You have to take it out or they'll take half of what you should have taken out. Right. Called required minimum distributions. So, but you're taking out bad dollars, dollars that are worth less in the future. And you're paying tax on the big amount, not the little amount. Now, Duncan, the government would never have you put money in something for 20, 30, 40 years and not tell you what your tax consequence is. Yeah. Would they? No. Not, our government, they're watching out for the government. They're certainly not watching out for us. So if I, and so why would you let your money sit there for 20, 30, 40 years and not know mm -hmm. how much the government is in your pocket? Yes. And when somebody says, oh, I have $100,000 in my 401k, I say, no, you don't. You have your portion and you have the government's mm -hmm. portion and they're not going to tell you how much they're going to take until you take it until that time comes yeah i mean it's you know i always tell people you know the life of a dollar i always use example is how many times the same dollar bill you've got in your pocket how many times has that dollar bill been taxed it's probably worth a million dollars over the lifetime of that dollar but we don't see that we just end up paying taxes every time we receive money every time we spend money so if you know what's happening, you'll know what to do, right? Yeah. Okay, so in infinite banking, insurance policies have been around uh, 
for since the for 350 years whole life policy has been around for over 350 years in england i don't know about scotland um duncan but you know england it was 350 years over 200 years in the the us and so it was way before federal income tax so because of that life insurance has some really good tax benefits it's after tax money that goes in there right but once it's in there it's never taxed again the death benefit because we're all going to graduate from this world sometime is passed to your family tax-free yes there's a state tax and we can talk about that but you know what the way i look at that is if my if my um if I had a $50 million worth of death benefit and they made me pay $15 million of uh, estate tax, <clears throat> then the kingdom will get 35 million. I can't do anything about that, but it's still good, right? <laughs> and so um, it's, it's tax invisible, that cash. And we all wanna be tax invisible. In fact, we had a, we had a guy in Silicon Valley making a lot of money and he put $10 million a year into an insurance contract designed like this, uh, $10 million a year for 10 years. It was in his late twenties or thirties, early thirties. By the time he was 65, he could take out $14 million a year tax-free. And if he didn't own anything else, he didn't have to file a tax return. So that's the power. That's an extreme example, by the way. An audience, I, you know, I don't put $10 million in my system here, <laughs> okay? But um, if, if I had it, Just I would. Yes. Yes. <laughs> if I had it, I would. 9.5 million. So being somebody myself <laughs> in the lower end of that uh, financial scale right now, that can be a little intimidating to hear that, but people might think, how is this even legal? Well, a lot of the people in Congress and the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, they've been doing this for generations. And I think that was one of the, th the points that the guy made in the truth concepts is that the reason why the Vanderbilts had lost so much of the uh, wealth was because they were not part of that special club when they started doing this. But um, for somebody who might not have a lot of money to put in it, they can start off with a plan on like their grandchild or their child. It's like might be a little bit less upfront, but they could practice with it. And I think, Nick, you have a good example of that with your own kid. So tell us about your kid real fast and how he's grown from this. Well, can I just go back a little bit? Can I just get, get absolutely? Yeah, I think I think probably where I came, Jim and I, for the audience, we can we come from really different paths to how we've gotten here. Uh, Jim on the streets of Inglewood, being a, then to being a financial advisor and then doing this. And um, I, I grew up, you know, in a middle class family where, you know, I didn't worry about the next meal. We didn't have opulent things, but we, we I was comfortable. OK. And uh, all I ever wanted to go do was fly big airplanes around the world and have a great job, you know, have the two kids and the dog and you know, the, 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 the nice house and, and do the things. And, um, I had all that, I had all that by the time I was 30 and, um, you know, I had the world by the palm of my hands, frankly. Uh, but what I learned was that I had bought the lie. And when I realized I had bought the lie is when I lost that job through no fault of my own, just an economic downturn. And, uh, frankly, my wife had just told me that she was pregnant with our first 
the 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 son that you're referring to and uh it hit me like a ton of bricks but i I didn't know what to do i just knew i had to do something so you know i remember getting an unemployment check and like looking at the shredder thinking i don't want this thing i didn't get a second one i went and took a pay cut from unemployment to start uh doing something um and i know jim i don't know if jim's ever heard that but i know you're not surprised that i i didn't collect more unemployment checks but um I realized that I had bought this lie. And so I set out on a path to learn the truth. And I, I was having a great conversation with my pastor one day. And it's pretty, it's pretty funny to me looking back. My, my faith walk almost exactly coincides with meeting Nelson Nash, meeting Jim, learning infinite banking. And I can, I can tell all that story some other time. But um, I realized that I had bought this lie, this financial lie, the scene. I had I had embraced the scene. I had done Dave Ramsey's financial piece. I remember his first three steps kind of like resonating with me. I was like, okay, this is what uh, my wife and I need to do as I'm getting laid off. But after that, I was like, your math is boobard. I just don't know how to disprove it. Like I could do, I can look at a performance chart for a 747 and interpret that and then go do it. But that's the extent of my math ability, okay? So I just was, I was seeking the truth. And when Becoming Your Own Banker came into my lap, I I got 25 pages into it. And I was like, oh my gosh, where's this been? This is for me. Because I had been interviewing the financial advisors. I left all those meetings thinking, great guy. I could have a bourbon with you. I could play golf with you. But I am not writing a check to you. This is all for your benefit, not mine. And Nelson says a lot of things in in his book. And one thing that really resonated with me is that once you see it, you can't unsee it. Hmm. I remember the first time Jim showed me the presentation that if anyone goes onto our community app right now and you watch um, the What is IBC presentation, it's it's evolved over the years. But Nelson used the FedEx logo. And there's a symbol in that FedEx logo. And it's an arrow, right? Between the, the E and the X. And if you've never seen it, well, let me just tell you, next time you see a FedEx truck driving down the road, you will see that arrow and then you will always see it. And that's what happens. Once you go, holy cow, I bought the lie. There's so much more to this financial world than meets the eye. You can't unsee it. I remember, um, I was reminded of this today, listening to Jim's Audible book today. Uh, He and I talking about, uh, where I was when he asked me those three questions, Duncan. I can tell you within about one square foot of where I was standing when he asked those to me eight years ago. And I've repeated those questions to countless people over the last eight years as I help them understand the unseen. But I really think this all boils down to we're all seeking the truth. And so much of the use and eyes of this world, we knew that there was a lot of lies being billed to us before the last three and a half years, three years, right? And I, and I almost kind of like appreciate what's happened in the world from a, a more macro sense the last three and a half years. It's made our job easier to convince, to show people, hey, you're, you're, you're having the wool pulled over your eyes. Yeah. It's a lot easier to have these conversations, I, fe- I feel like, uh, for that reason. But when now we're just on a pursuit to understand the truth. And 
I had a, a great friend of mine once said, hey, your biggest opportunity for influence in this world will be your kitchen table. Yeah. And so um, I had Jim come along when my old, my now oldest was six years old. I feel like we had like, I think you joke on the audible Jim that we had like 40 under six years old when you met me. <laughs> I think I said seven. <laughs> <laughs> but we we had uh we had four kids under uh seven years old there at one point it was a little bit of uh you know you feel like you're you're holding multiple cinder blocks in the deep end <laughs> of the pool right and uh you know it's pretty funny right now um you know we've got we've got a lot of helpers now you know like people people contributing but i just decided then <clears throat> that that my kids are going to have they're going to be exposed to the truth about money that I wasn't exposed to. And there's no fault to my parents whatsoever. I love my parents, uh, super involved with them to this day. Um, they didn't know better, right? They didn't have the the access to the information that they we do infinite banking do. now. Right? Yeah, they, they do, do infinite banking now. They've, they've taken action, right? And so um, my oldest has particularly latched on to this. Um, he, he has read Nelson's book. In fact, he's writing a book report on it for me right now. Uh, that's part of him getting his own bedroom and not be sharing a room with his uh, knucklehead <laughs> seven, seven, seven-year-old little brother. Um, he had to read three three important books and write a book report about it. But he's he he finances his own uh, policy. He has done real estate deals. He owns a, a small chunk of a a, a franchise. Um, he read Jim's book. We were just on vacation, and he read Jim's book. And he looks at me. He gets done with it. He's like, "Hey." We haven't been playing cash flow enough lately. I was like, mm -hmm. you're right. Yeah. We need to be playing cash flow. And so it's just all those tools that we need. We got to constantly be in a pursuit of the truth because you're going to walk outside every day and you're going to see between five and 10,000 ads every day. Yeah. And do you know what every one of, the, every one of them has in common? They're, They're all geared to get... Go yeah, ahead. They're trying to sell you something. Yep, marketing. That's right. <laughs> They're all trying to get money to flow away from you, right? And and if we understand the game, then we can get money to flow to us. And there's a that that book cash or the game cash flow, which Rich Dad Poor Dad was the manual for it. Um, it it is the greatest exercise you could do, frankly, uh, of any of the like practical exercises. And so there's the kids version of it. There's the adult version of it. And so we've been playing. Um, we do that. We, we play Monopoly, which isn't as ideal, but it, it's got some great lessons there too, money-wise, right? Mm -hmm. So I just want to give my kids the, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. I and mean, I can't, I can't, I can't want it more than they want it. I can't own their success or failures. All I can do is expose them to the truth, right? And what they do with it is their prerogative. But, uh, we've, uh, man, we've, we've, we've definitely, had some great conversations around here. Just, just being transparent with yeah. them. Well, it all begins with knowledge, and you know, you know, there's for the most part, there's two types of people: they're the people that think this is the only system we have, and then they put their money into it. Or you've got people like myself that's like, this is corrupt as anything, and we avoid it. You know what I'm saying? And just live paycheck by paycheck. But then you've got this option, and it all begins with knowledge. And and a lot of people don't realize. Cause like you said, you know, these fortune 500 companies, all these people are doing it forever. They understand it. And they certainly <laughs> don't want us to know because then we no longer rely on them and control is really what this is all about. Yeah. Now, Jim, so, 
you were yeah. your childhood from the book chapter yeah. that I got to listen to, you had a very different path. Can you explain that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, no, I can. But uh, look, can I just touch on something real quick with what Duncan said? Duncan, and this is what I commend you guys for doing in this show for doing is um, knowledge does not equal understanding. Right. Yes. We can have a knowledge that, hey, something's wrong, but do we understand how to do it the right way? Do we understand how to make a change? And I think that's important. And one point that you were trying to make, Nathan, is you could start this with a few thousand dollars a year. You start wherever you start. Yep. We have people that start with a few thousand dollars a year and we have people that start with millions of dollars a year. I don't know how much money you have flowing through your uh, hands now and whatever it is start okay so i yeah i i um you know i start off the book and i say you know i have six well i had six <laughs> siblings one of them uh passed away graduated early but i didn't grow up with them um i i was given up for i was a middle child one of the middle child children and i was given up for adoption at birth because um my mother said she was raped and her husband said that she had an affair I later found out three years ago because I uh, sent a 23 and me to one of the siblings um, that he was my father. Mm. And so for 55 years and he's, he's been dead. She's been dead. Um, so like, uh, you know, I, I, so I grew up in foster care and then I got adopted and I thought, okay, this is, this is now it's going to be great. Well, it wasn't because I got adopted by two, people that should not have had children, especially my adopted father, who was a raging alcoholic and, and uh, very, very abusive in every way that you can think of. And so I, I was very angry. I didn't know God. We obviously didn't go to church. Um, and uh, I don't know how obvious that is, but we didn't go to church. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and so I was angry and I was uh, reckless and I did a lot of things to act out. And, you know, deep down inside, I, I obviously believed in God because I was daring God to kill me. And, and I was doing all kinds of risky things. And, um, but the one thing that I really hated was I saw all this wealth around me. We had nothing. We stood in line for home, uh, for uh, uh, government cheese for food stamps. I mean, there was a point in time where my adopted mother and I were homeless. And so we didn't have anything. I mean, I would go to, I can tell you all the techniques if you were doing intermittent fasting on how to, you know, not worry about being hungry. Okay. I can drink water at three o'clock in the morning, like nobody's business and I and, and feel full. Okay. So, um, but I hated that scarcity feeling. And I felt like, what do these people know about money? Because in Los Angeles, if you took Inglewood and you drove, you know, five miles this way, you'd be in, I don't know, maybe it's 10 miles, Palos Verdes. If you drove 10 miles this way, you're in Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's like another planet. And it's like, what do those people know? What do they know about money? Are they just, you know, God loves them more. They're luckier. They're smarter. What is it? And I hated that people would make fun of, um, our cars and, and stuff, they would just like, look like what is going on there. And, you know, I got the, my first pair of brand new shoes when I was 13 years old, they were Nike 
Okay, wouldn't buy Nike now. Sorry, back then I didn't know. <laughs> and uh, it were like a royal blue, almost a purple. And they had like a yellow, uh, like they were like Lakers colors, right? Mm. Which uh, still go Lakers. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I was walking down the street and because of the way everybody looked at our cars and stuff, I thought people were looking at my brand new shoes. Like I thought people in the cars were actually looking at my shoes, right? Now, so that's how I grew up. I was passionate about, I'm going to learn about money. I'm going to figure this out. And a lot of other things happened to me in my life. But I got out of school, still didn't know God. And I uh, got into Wall Street because that's how you make money. That's how I make money, but that's not how you make money. And um, I, I worked my butt off. And it's funny because everybody at the firm was going after the doctors and the lawyers and all this. And I was in the blue collar welding shops and I was mm. in jeans and, you know, like in a dress shirt, you know, and, and they were wearing ties and, oh, do you have the right watch and all this stuff? And they couldn't understand what I was doing because I get, kept on getting all these clients. I, and over time, I got to where I had $700 million under management and I was charging 1%, right? So you think right off into the sunset, that's great. But one day I got this report and it said that our clients over this period of time earned 9.38%. I thought that's not too bad. Um, but wait a minute, I've got money in that account. It didn't go up 9.38%. Mine didn't. So I dug into my own report hmm. and I realized that after fees and expenses, taxes, it was 4%. And I went, wait a minute, all of our calculations don't work at 4%. None of my clients are gonna reach their goals that we set. And I thought, wait a minute, what am I gonna do? Mm -hmm. So I analyzed all the people that were my clients that really had wealth. And I'm just talking about financial wealth here for a second, okay? Came down to two things, real estate and businesses. And if, you, if you're a real estate investor, you're in the real estate business, okay? And so I thought, well, wait a minute. How am I going to teach people that in Wall Street? But what I realized is this, is the noise that I heard as a kid, which is all these people know, understand money better than me, isn't true, right? That's not the signal that I was looking for. The signal was the, the pursuit of the truth, right? And I found the truth in God at 24 because a guy named Wally, and by the way, you know, wherever Wally is right now, you know, there's no way I let Wally in my house. There's just no way. <laughs> there's no circumstance on earth, right? <laughs> Careful words, that I let that guy in my house. Because he knocks on the door. Hey, I'd like to read the Bible with you. There's no chance I let him in my house. Zero. <laughs> but I did. Okay. And so my wife came from, you know, back in the kitchen and she's got two kids running around. We had, you know, we had Irish twins 13 months apart and they're running around and she's like, what are you doing? I said, Wally and I are reading John. And she's like, Hey, can I talk to you for a minute? What's wrong with you? Did you have a stroke? You're only, you know, you're 24 years old. I mean, what happened? 
He said, I don't know. All I know is this is really kind of making sense. This is impacting me. He's telling me stuff I didn't know. And, you know, a few weeks later, my wife and I were both baptized. Wow. And, and, uh, <laughs> you know, you'd think I found the signal then, but it didn't, I didn't really, but Nathan, I grew up with scarcity and I realized that wealth was something that wasn't all about money. Mm -hmm. It was about, um, it was about the truth and freedom. And, and it was that relationship with God that took me because you know, I've never, I've never been great at learning anything. So Christianity wasn't any different. I was slow on the, on the uptake. And, um, but it was that I learned what wealth is really about. And, uh, it's helping other people. It's serving other people. And that's something Nick and I do every day is, man, if we can turn anybody's lives around, it's, you know, that's what Nick and I talk about. We never talk about the money part of it. We talk about, isn't that a cool family? Like, isn't that cool what they're going to do? You know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, sorry, Every I kind of got off. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Um, Everyone is loving this story. <laughs> Just to let you guys know, they, they've, they've loved both of what you guys have had to say. The stories are amazing. And it's amazing, you know, because it's kind of, um, when you're looking for something constantly, things seem to take forever to get to that point. But when you're focusing on something different, for instance, if you're focusing on the treasures of heaven and you're not focusing on the wealth of, of being here, that's when things start coming to you mm -hmm. is because you're focusing on the right thing. And then God's going to like, okay, I'm just opening the door now to provide that for you. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, when you are a Christian, especially when you're a Christian, because, you know, when you're not a Christian, you're trying to keep that greed for yourself. But when you are a Christian, you have a way of distributing that to help others. And God's going to put that into your life because he knows that you're not just going to hoard it for you and your family, that you're going to share it, you know, tithe it, you know, and help others that need that, you know? So that's when God starts really putting this stuff into your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's amazing when, um, <laughs> you know, I wonder if my kids are listening to this. So like, <laughs> I think about how much money I'm going to give my kids and it's like, there's a limit, right? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I mean, to disappoint you, but there's a limit. And then, you know, like the stuff that we can do and impact, the kingdom. In fact, Nick and I and another friend of ours, we've talked about one of these days soon on God's time schedule, we're going to start a company. And instead of giving 10%, we're going to give 90% to the kingdom and we're going to keep 10%. And I already know, I don't know what it's going to be, but I already know that it's going to be so cool and that the 10% will be plenty. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, you know, I, it, it's always like when you try God, it's God always comes through bigger than you thought. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Every time you stretch, but that's where that abundance mentality came from. That's what I didn't have as a kid is, um, you know, also Nathan, everything that I ever needed to learn, I learned when I was 13 years old <laughs> and I'll, and I'll give you, and I'll give you a, an example. So when I was 13 years old, um, in the summer, my mom worked, my dad drove a trash truck and my mom worked at a casket factory. And um, she said, I, I've got you a job at the casket factory. And I'm like, okay, how hard can that be? Right. But she didn't tell me it was swinging a hammer for eight hours a day, <laughs> a, a hammer going like, like bending the handles 
for uh, caskets, like the hardware that go in the caskets. <laughs> At 13 years old, I learned that I better be ambidextrous really quick, right? <laughs> but but the, the name of the company was McIntyre Manufacturing. And Dwayne McIntyre, I, I saw him come in. He's the owner of the company. And this was not this massive, big, huge company, right? It's a little shop, kind of like the welding shop that I was telling you about earlier. And he'd come in for an hour, two hours, maybe have lunch, come back, maybe not come back. And I thought, man, the owner doesn't actually work in the business. That's interesting. I never realized that. And so um, now I, here's a couple of things that I knew about Dwayne is he lived in Palos Verdes. Now, for you guys that grew up in Palos Verdes, I'm sure it's not perfect. But to me, it was. Big houses overlooking the ocean, up on a hill, safe. You never heard, hey, there was a gang shooting in Palos Verdes, right? You didn't hear that. And so here's another thing that God decided to throw in there. He had adopted four kids that all got to live in Palos Verdes. Envy was, <laughs> yes, in me. And uh, they all ended up going to Pepperdine University. Very expensive school, overlooking what? The ocean. And so I was jealous, right, of this guy, his kids, everything else. So one day I'm, I'm walking with, in my neighborhood up with a friend of mine up to the liquor store, not to buy liquor, not that that would have been beyond us at 13, but <laughs> at the liquor store, you buy Cokes and stuff like that, right? It, that's what was called. And I looked down at one of the most rundown houses in the neighborhood where we thought a witch lived, by the way, because she never came out of her house. And uh, um, I look down and there's a guy pulling weeds. And who is it? It's Dwayne McIntyre. You know, and he's got sweat coming down his brow. It's, you know, it's a bright, sunny uh, Los Angeles day. It's hot. And I look down and I want to tell you that I was very respectful. Mr. McIntyre, what are you doing here? That's not what I said. I was like, what are you doing here? Hey, you, what are you doing here? I know you, you know, something stupid like that. And he looked up and he said, oh, hey, Jim, um, I own this house. I was like, why would you own this house? You live in Palos Verdes. You don't want to own this. And he said, no, I own a lot of real estate around Los Angeles. And I rented, rented out. I said, you rented a witch? And he goes, she's not a witch. She's a very nice <laughs> woman. You know, and, um, again, I told you I wasn't that smart. So. Um, Everything I needed to learn, business owner, real estate. I'd like to tell you that. And from that period of time, I started developing my skills kind of like Jake Costco, but I wasn't Jake Costco. It took me 20 years later before that lesson sunk in in my 30s. But, but I learned everything that I needed to know. He understood money. He knew the game of money. And he... It's still, even though it took 20 years to sink in, he taught me an invaluable lesson um, on how money really works. Hmm. You know, and a lot of people think that, I think they get trapped in that whole wealth concept of being just money. But wealth to me, and I learned this very young, I think from the Rich Dad Poor Dad thing, is you get to a point where your expenses are covered to where you can pursue your passions and not worry about the bills. Money gives you choices. Choices give you freedom. Yeah, that's very, very true. You know, I, I was 
when I was younger, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a upper middle class family, but my father, I mean, I didn't appreciate it until I got out of my own. My father was like, look, if you want some Nike shoes, you're buying them. I'm going to go buy you the Walmart shoes. If you want some nice pants, you buy them. I'm buying you the bugle boys. So, um, I didn't realize at that point, I'm like, why are you being cheap? You know, and that my dad was actually teaching me one of the most valuable lessons ever. And that was to earn what you have. And once I got out on my own and started having to pay for college and pay for my apartment and stuff, I was like, man, dad, thank you. Because now I appreciate the fact that I was fed and had a roof over my head, the things that we really take for granted. And then I realized, you know, how luxury it is to be able to have those nicer things. So it encourage you, encourages you to go out and do those things. And how, you know, whenever I would go back home um, to Scotland, you know, I would have to work like two jobs during the summer, you know, in order to have what you were saying, those choices to where I could afford to go over. But even when I went over there, I was living in hostels and camping as much as I could to make my money go further. And it was a time that I lived over there for um, a couple of years on 5,000 American dollars, which, wow. yeah. And, you know, but I've learned, I learned to be frugal. I know it's cliche Scott right there. <laughs> I learned to be frugal and appreciate these things. So now, um, you know, it's, I feel like I've got everything in the world, you know, by just having a little bit of a cushion in my bank account, mm, you know, yeah. and, and that's the thing is that understanding what wealth truly is. And like you said, you know, money does give you that choice, which gives you a little bit more freedom to kind of explore because if you go over to England and Scotland, great example, they keep your cost of uh, traveling a lot cheaper because they encourage travel over here in the United States. It costs you an arm and a leg just to get across the country, much less to get over to Scotland. So, you know, what I would do is I would leave here. I would buy a ticket to Scotland. And if I wanted to go to Australia or Netherlands or something like that, I would purchase my tickets over there because it's a lot cheaper. And like I said, they encourage people to get out and explore like this country right here is like, no, we're just going to make as much money off of you as we possibly can. <laughs> yeah. How much will you take? I mean, how much pain will you will you accept? But you know what I love about what you just said about your father is, is if you think about it, why do they say, don't feed the birds, don't feed the alligators? Oh, I'm, as a wildlife <laughs> biologist, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to let no, you go guys know the because they become dependent <laughs> upon it. And they don't yeah. learn. They yeah, don't, true. Yeah. Then they forget how to hunt. Yeah, exactly. Right. So when I was getting government cheese, when I was getting, I mean, the people in those neighborhoods, the inner city neighborhoods, they think the answer is more entitlements, more, you know, like they're electing officials that they think are going to give them more. They're going to steal from the rich and give to the poor, right? Mm -hmm. Legal plunder, as in the book, The Law by Frederick Bastiat. So that's, that's, but that's not what it does. It makes you more of a slave. It does not create freedom. It does not teach you how to hunt. And you know, even Malcolm X in, in a speech talked about the field, he didn't use the word slave, field slave versus the house slave. The house slave is comfortable. He doesn't want freedom because if he gets freedom, he's not going to live in a house like this. He's not going to wear these clothes. Even the leftovers aren't going to be, he's not going to eat that well. But the field slave, they can be strung up any day. They can be beat any day. They can be killed any day. They'll die for freedom. Yeah. You can't take that fight away from people. You, ju you just can't. And what your dad taught you is a great lesson. 
hey, you want something, you got to get it. You yes. know, and it's, 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 it's easy to spoil your kids. Mm -hmm. Oh, it, it really is. You know, and like you said, you, you, you pull the hunt away from them and, yeah. you know, and then that, that's the point is then they go up a great example is the generation today. Um, they are so reliant on everything else that they don't even want to work, you know, and they're like, oh, it only pays nine bucks an hour. And, you know, and, and we, our society has basically made it to where, like my dad said, if you want to be successful, you need to go to college, but they don't teach you the importance of just working hard. So who is the better man? The guy that went to college is making a lot of money and spoiling their kids or the white or the blue collar father that works plumbing all day long and makes sure that his family is fed. You know what I'm saying? Like they're the, they're in my opinion, they're the better person because they, they don't look at anything as beneath them. They look at it as I'm grateful to have what I've got so I can, you know, take care of my family. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Nick, go ahead. Hey, one of the things that I, I have tried to, to live as a, as a father of, of these four, four kids is, I don't want to steal their struggle, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know? And one of the things, one of the worst things that can happen to someone is having success before they're ready. Right. Like my, my oldest, uh, Nathan, he comes to me. So Jim and I are leaving to go to Scotland and, <laughs> and uh, I'm leaving my house at four o'clock in the afternoon. Now, 14 year old or 13 year old at the time, you know, their timing is off, right? Uh, they, they don't have the situational awareness. It's still like right here. They, they, they think that really the only person is the, the, the guy in the mirror, right? So at noon on that day, he comes to me out of the blue with his computer. He's like, Pop, I want to buy this storage unit. And he's rattling off all these things to me. And I was <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And he's going, he wants to buy like the storage wars thing, like the contents of an abandoned storage unit. And I was like, dude, your timing's terrible. I, I gave, I, I drew out a few two cents and I was like, listen, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to call your granddad. Uh, you can use my truck, but you guys, you're on your own, man. I'm out of here for the next <laughs> 11 days. And sure enough, he does it. Okay. And my wife goes, boy, I sure, you know, listen, he put in 233 bucks of his own money. All right. So my wife goes, boy, I sure hope that he makes some money on this. And I said, mm, I think the best thing would be happened is if he lost a little bit on this, mm. you know, so he's wound up making some money. He's, I think he's cleared or, uh, he, his gross revenue on the two, uh, was, uh, like 400 bucks, but, uh, you know, he's got the fever now, but I just, I just want to watch, like, I don't want to enable, like, if you need help, you, you got to ask for it. I'm not, I'm not dragging this pony along. So I hate to go. I, analogy here that I, I heard on Gotham, I was watching the Batman Gotham series the other day. And Pennysworth was teaching um, young Bruce how to fight. And he goes, it's important to learn how to fight. But the most important part about learning how to fight is how to take a punch. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. so we so we worry about one thing and not the other. But, you know, you don't learn from winning. You learn more from losing <laughs> than you do from winning. That's very true. Yeah. I, growing up, my dad um, did everything he could to keep food on the table and a roof over our head. And there was a time where our water heater went and you had to learn how to be um, resourceful. He put a hose on the roof and we had hot water from the sun. When the sun was shining, we had hot water and you had to take a shower. Then that was it. And yeah, instead, wow. of, instead of Saturday morning cartoons, he said, get off that tube, grab a shovel and dig me a, a garden plot. And he taught me how to work. Um, yeah. And there are many times in my life, like I, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad growing up. 
I learned how to invest because you have to learn how to do something where you're no longer trading time for money. Because like you said, we can only work so long. We have to sleep. And with everything they're taking away from us, you you won't get ahead with all the taxes if you don't learn how to be um, resourceful and allow your money to work for you. And every time that I started getting ahead, um, something would pop up, some big expense that happened, like truck breakdown or family member getting in trouble and they need some help. And it's taught me that the more important thing is more important than money is relying on God. And I've lived my entire life that way. No matter how much money I needed or how much money I had, um, my bills were always paid yeah. as long as I was willing yeah. to put in the work. And there were times where I was down to the wire where I had nothing in the bank account, a bill coming due, and God would give me something. And that's like, all right, you're teaching me a lesson here. I don't care how long I'm poor because I'd rather be poor and learning about this and be rich and being one of those kids that are spoiled and don't know how to struggle. Yeah, I mean, a great, a great example right now today. You know, my dad used to tell me this. My granddad actually said this. He goes, if you can't buy it with cash, you can't afford it. Hmm. He goes, so if you want a car, save up and purchase the car. Don't go to credit because in credit, you just now owe more money and then you owe more money on top of that. And you're paying twice for the car that you just purchased. He goes, if you can't afford it with cash, you can't afford it, period. So you know, it's fun. Go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, we we always say adversity introduces a man to himself, right? That's yeah. the, what the that's what the quote. So we modernize it and say adversity introduces a person to themselves. Okay, so you know, but when you when you talk about financing things and you you talk about how do we buy things, because we all want those nice things, right? We all want a brand new F two fifty truck that's I don't even know what they cost these days. Probably seventy thousand dollars, dollars. And you know, we want these nice trucks. We want these nice things. And so, if we want something, then we think, well, how are we going to buy it? And then there's always, hey, you can get zero interest. You can get, you know, cash back. You can get, you know, seventy-two months financing. You can get all of these things. They're all distractors. They're all lies. Okay, but. But you have to understand how a bank makes money, mm -hmm. right? And there's only three players in the play. And I want you to visualize this. And I know, Nick, we have a, a, a video of this on the community. And um, we can put a link to. But you have, if you imagine on this side of the equation, you have the depositor. And the depositor goes and they deposit money in the bank. Now, when you deposit money in the bank, is that an asset or a liability for the bank? When you say that again? So when, when you go down and deposit money at the bank, is that an asset or a liability for the bank? Oh, it's an asset to the bank. Well, you would think so, but it's not. It's a liability because they haven't done anything with that money. This is a key. They haven't done anything with that money. They have not put it in motion, which is a law of God, remember? And they have to give it back to you whenever you want it. And they ha have to pay you a little bit of interest. So it's a liability. Right. But how do they turn it into an asset? By using your money to lend out to others. L you, they lend it to a borrower. Mm -hmm. Because what the bank knows is that the borrower is going to pay them interest. And then they're going to pay you as little as possible. Mm -hmm. Now, in 2016, Bank of America, here were their numbers. Okay? So this isn't made up. And somebody says, well, Jim, why are you using 2016? Folks, this is all cyclical. Wherever it is today, it won't be tomorrow. 
So it doesn't matter what year. I could use I could use uh, 1995. It doesn't matter. Hmm. 2016, if you had $10,000 in the bank, as a depositor, they were going to pay you 0.2%. And that's $20 over the next year. They were going to loan that money out at 5.2% or $520. Now, our consumer brains, we've been taught to say, well, that's only 5% more than I'm getting. And that's only $500 more than they're paying me. That's not so bad. But that's not how a business works. A business works where $20 is my cost. 520 is my profit. So what we do is we divide the 20 into 520. It goes in there 26 times. Yep. So they're making 2,600% more than you with your money. With your money, exactly. Now, does it get worse? Does it get worse? Okay. There's only one pool of water in the world, Duncan. You, you would agree with that, right? Yes. I mean, the, it's all created within the atmosphere mm -hmm. and, it, it, and it, it goes up into the atmosphere, it comes back down in rain and all over the world. Money is the same way. Banking is the same way. A bank in New York closes, lends its money to a bank in Chicago, that closes, lends its money to a bank in Denver, that closes, lends its money to a bank in LA, and it goes around the globe. You've heard of overnight lending rates, or have you ever heard that term, money follows the sun? That's why. Okay, so there's only one banking system, which means... If you have money deposited at a bank and you have money borrowed from a bank, they're making 20, the banking system is making 2,600% more than you with your money from you. Yeah. <laughs> Remember what Elson said, if, if you understand what's happening, you'll know what to do. With infinite banking, we build a wall around this equation. You're the depositor, you're the owner of the bank, and you're the borrower. Yes. So if you're all three, how does somebody else make money from you? They don't unless you let them. Yeah, that's right. And if 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 you're all three, how do you lose money? You I, don't. Yeah, no. So that is kind of a simple explanation of that. Nick, did I miss anything? That was a great explanation. <laughs> but there is one thing that I think that people have to realize. They have to be diligent with that, too. They can't just go off and buy toys. Um, that's a very honest banker. Yep. There's a very great example about the business owner who has peas on the shelf and his wife takes it out the back door. And yeah. if anybody wants to see that example, um, is that that's in the book, right? Infant banking. Yep. Book. Yep. Definitely yeah. get a chance so, to read that book. And you guys offer that for free to people. I believe if I'm not mistaken, it used to be yep. whenever you consult with somebody, you let them read that book. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we send out, we send out more of those books than anyone else in the country. According to David Stearns, <laughs> Nelson Nash's uh, 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 son-in-law, who now is the guy that sells the books, and so we buy them <laughs> in bulk, and then we then we uh, uh, ship them. In fact, we, we sell so many, we just have David ship them out now. We don't even get them. We don't even have to ship them to us, and then we ship them out. So just remember this. So you know, a lot of people throw around the term infinite banking. Okay, um, and it, it's you know, unfortunately not explained very well. And, and Einstein said simplicity is elusive. So let's just, you know, Jim talked about how does the bank work, but um, we'll send you a copy of the book. You come do it, do a call with us, do one of the courses on the, on our community, which if you just go to community.createtailwind.com, you can join for free uh, right now. And you can just watch the course. What is IBC? But Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, 
is solving just one problem. And I'm bringing this up because I'm, I'm watching the chat for the show and there's, there's some talk here about financing trucks and whatnot. And, uh, you know, the one problem is that we finance everything we buy and you're either paying interest to other people, which is really easy to see. You see that in an amortization sheet, right? You can see the interest in a payment. And, and the, the real secret is to look at the volume of interest in every payment. Forget the rate. The rate's a distractor. But the, the part that people get goobered up on is paying cash. And I did Dave's you know, financial noise, I mean, financial peace course, <laughs> and, and he, he teaches you to pay cash, right? Delay that gratification. Uh, but the reality of it is it comes with a peril as well, because as soon as I save up that that 90,000 for the F-250 that's loaded up, diesel and 6.7 liter, you know, uh, diesel in it. Um, <laughs> Looks like you've been shopping for one of these. <laughs> yeah, not that I've looked at these occasionally, but um, then if I spend the 90K in cash, I give up the ability to earn interest on those dollars only, only forever. Yep. So... You know, people think there's just two choices in this. And I love uh, Robert Kiyosaki said, there's not two sides to every coin. There's three sides, right? Mm-hmm. And and so there's a third way. And, and uh, you know, when Nelson, when I read Nelson's book, I said this was early in my faith walk and uh, the narrow gate passage is in uh, Nelson's uh, book. And it, it's become one of my favorite and I'm terrible at biblical quotes. I'm not even going to try to to say it, but it's very few people will go down that that narrow gate path, right? And uh, that's the third side of the coin. And that's those of us that are taking control of our money in an uncommon way and, and being our own banker and learning, hey, there's not the cash way and just financing it through the financing department at the auto dealership. There's this way that I can be in control of that loan. I can earn interest on those dollars and I can still have the truck. Yeah. It's an and option, right? It's an abundant option. And so it just requires us all to rethink our thinking, right? Um, that's what Nelson challenges to do. Jim and I love, uh, if, if you haven't listened to Earl Nightingale's Strangest Secret, um, you know, a shameless plug for us is uh, go to Breakaway Wealth and uh, that's our podcast and, and just search The Strangest Secret. Uh, we tee it up and then it's Earl Nightingale's 22 minute um, incredible speech um, talking about The Strangest Secret. And it's really all about what's going on in those six inches between our ears. It all starts there, right? If we're going to sit on the couch and just be poured in with lies and noise all day, then that's what's going to spill out of us. But if we can, if we can, you know, reverse the trend, take action, right? Go find the truth. It's not simple, right? Um, Or it's not easy. It's simple, not easy, right? Uh, To do that, then we can have, uh, we can experience a life that, most people only dream of and it's just a choice right to get off the couch and take action yeah you guys have done just a phenomenal phenomenal way of explaining this you know you said something earlier about you know understanding and knowledge you know McEnany, the old press secretary for trump said i can teach you all day long but i can't understand it for you um (laughs) you know you you guys did a phenomenal this was great like i said as you know um I, the reason that I had Nathan come on because he understands this a lot better than me. I checked out years ago because I got so tired of the system. Um, but I've been kind of in getting into it and understanding a little bit more. And, and you guys really have a great way of simplifying this to where it's understandable. And my dream right. was to have Christians, fellow Christians, just learn how to be 
um, more productive and profitable with their own finances, they can help the people around them, their family mm-hmm. members, their fellow Christians, the, the ministries, whatever talents that the God gave them specifically, hone that and use us to be able to just spread that that joy in God's world. And um, that's why I was so grateful that you guys are willing to come onto the show and just give us a little insight to it so we can take that action. And we have to take that action and go pursue this and go learn from the community and go learn from these books. And um, I was very blessed that Jim's son is actually the guy I ended up being paired with for um, as my mentor. And I love that platform they have. He's not the person in charge of my policy. He's my mentor. He's telling me how I can use my policy. He's allowing me to do what I need to do with it, but he's giving me the balancing board so where I can think about it, th- think through things and you know, really pursue them as I feel it's fit. That's the whole benefit of um, the IBC program is you are in control. What is that saying you have? You are, um, Jim, you say something. You are the captain of your own ship or a hero. Oh, um, somebody's going to be the banker in your life. It might as well be you. Is that, um, or the, the hero of the story? Hero oh, the, the hero story. of the story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, that's the community, all of that. Nathan, you know, first of all, I want to thank you for being a, a great member of the community because you are so active and i i see you congratulate people that join every week and you're constantly answering the questions and being involved and as this thing grows with people like you being there and it's it's going to it's going to create this abundance and this momentum and i know that's the purpose that god has for that community and it's only to educate you and I, and I want somebody because I didn't feel like this when I was a kid. I thought you got to go to college to be mm-hmm. successful, like just like Duncan, like your dad told you. And I would tell you that I hated school. <laughs> I love to learn, but I hated school. Yeah. And sitting in a classroom for eight hours a day, it's torture for me because <laughs> or, or giving me 10, 10 minutes of content in an hour is really torturous yes. for me. And, and I would tell you that our big vision of freedom is freedom to learn about money, how money works, and have an alternative path. Be that plumber, but own the plumbing company, Yes. right? You can start off as the plumber, learn what you need to learn. You'll have a guide, whoever owns the company, the master plumber, right? They're your guide. Learn everything you can learn and then become the guide, own the company, and and grow the company to as big as you want, How many serve as many people as you want to, and how big your vision is, and we think too small. Yes. we. I mean, look, we serve a abundant, huge, beyond our understanding God. Why would we think so small? Absolutely. Why would we think yeah. small? Whatever you're thinking, it's too small. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we, yeah, we limit ourselves. You're right. We do. It's not God. God's unlimited. How, I mean, you know, I mean, think about that. How many I stories mean, in the Bible are people who did not feel like they were adequate enough to do the job and God put them through it? <laughs> we talk about that. Like every disciple. So much, I mean, like, again, I, you know, I tell the story like, okay, so I become this Christian. I meet this guy. He's got the perfect family he's from Orange County, which again, remember is like, that might as well be Beverly Hills to me. And He's got saddle shoes. He's got the sweater vest. He's got, he may have even had a bow tie in my head right now. He does, but I don't know that he ever did. But, um, you know, he's got perfect family, perfect kids. Everybody's well mannered. And I think, 
oh crap you know i i accepted christ but it didn't take like because i'm still i saw that girl in a bikini and i'm lusting after that after her and i'm and i just said the f word and i'm like this didn't take <laughs> no and i'm like i'm like wait a minute and and i thought okay wait a minute god you want me to teach people about money and you, and about god and the kingdom and and the wealth I mean, like, there's a lot of people that aren't there better people to do that than me and <laughs> and like that that don't have all these faults. But that's the thing. That's what's so incredible about God. I mean, look at Jesus. He took 12 people that nobody else would have picked. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, so don't sit there and try to be a victim. Don't sit there and say, well, I'm never going to be able to be a doctor. I'm never going to be able to be be that plumber, be that electrician. One of my biggest clients didn't graduate high school was an electric electrical contractor, hundreds of millions of dollars. Wow. Without a high school, I mean, he didn't have any education other than he really understood the electrical contracting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was uh, blessed to be homeschooled. My dad was very adamant about having us homeschooled. So I learned how to pursue my own path. And I went to college and I did, I did it because I knew that there were some things that I wanted to learn about how to research for the, the field that I got into. But I always tell people I survived college because there were so many things in there that I did not need to learn. And it, I felt like my brain was like mush oh, afterwards. Yeah, I was fortunate enough. Um, I went to high school and, and my first college right before indoctrination really got big. Well, we were already being indoctrinated. <laughs> but when I went back to school for a film, you know, it was the beginning of the indoctrination. Now, you know, parents are paying their kids to go to school and they're not learning what they need to learn. They're, they're learning everything but that, you know, they're going for some weird degrees that really don't get you anything. You're better off, you know, like trade school. And, yeah. you know, it's, a, you know, once again, it's teaching the kids the value of that. Because like you said, you start off as a plumber, but eventually you end up owning the plumbing company and you are now the entrepreneur. <laughs> and, you know, that's one thing. No matter what this world offers, we don't need more lawyers. We we need more people that keep this country running. The truckers, the the plumbers, the electricians, and on and on and on. You know, there's there's something to be proud of when you're doing that kind of stuff. But like you said, eventually you end up owning that company and you're serving the country with something that it needs, not something that we don't need more of, because all they do is end up in Congress and Senate and look where that got us. Yeah. We, well, we need plumbers and, and, and electricians in Congress. <laughs> you need people to innovate, right? You need people to say, "Hey, uh, I was I was at the the gym today, and this lady uh, was uh, in the heating and cooling business, and she had just sold her business, and she was talking about how they made some process some process more efficient. Instead of taking like twenty minutes, it took like two minutes. Wow! And so, like this one thing made her business more valuable than all the other businesses that were like hers, and she sold it, right?" And she had like 70 trucks. Now think about that. Think about what the bank is making from that company. 70 trucks that she financed. I heard her say this. <laughs> and so what we, a big picture dream and, and vision of ours is to give people an alternative path. If you have a teenager that's 18 years old and, and you want them to go to school, but they don't want to go to school and they feel like they're going to be a failure if they don't, you know, Nick and I could give them 10 to 20 books. Duncan, you and Nathan could give them 10 to 20 books, but not just read the book, right? It's read the book and then let somebody who's an expert explain it to you. And you ask all the questions that you mm -hmm. want to ask. Yep. That's the kind of education that 
we need. We need that alternative path. Yes. And there's so many business owners out there that are in their 60s and 70s that if somebody came in in their 20s and said, I want to take over your business, I'm going to put in the sweat equity. Tell me how we can work this out. I'll prove it to you. Whatever it is, whatever the path is, you could do it now and start learning. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I, I, I want there to be this alternative path so that kids don't feel inadequate and they don't feel bored and they don't feel like slaves. And there's um, a, a great benefit of these policies, the way they're written too, is you can pass them on to your kids or your grandkids without having to die first. Is that correct? Yeah. So one of the things that you do is imagine this generation one, generation two, generation three, and, and so on, but we'll just go three. So if, if I am generation one, then I would have insurance on me. So I'm there's there's three characters in the play for life insurance policy too. Is there's the owner, remember the owner is always the most important. There's the insured and there's the beneficiary. Okay? So I own the generation 1 policies. I'm also the insured and then my kids and my grandkids are the beneficiaries. So then I own policies on generation 2, my children, and I'm the owner and the beneficiary, and they're the insurance. And then the, the grandkids are exactly the same way. So I graduate from this world. My kids get a tax-free death benefit, right? They inherit the policies that are on them. Now they're the owner and the beneficiary, or I'm sorry, the owner and the, uh, and the insured of those policies. Their grandkids, or I mean, their kids, my grandkids, their kids are the beneficiaries. They graduate from this world. The grandkids get a tax-free death benefit. And the policies that were on them, now they're the owner and the insured. And the great-grandkids are the mm -hmm. uh, beneficiaries. So see how that just gets to be generational? Yep. And you, can... and you brought up the Vanderbilts earlier. And one of the key mistakes that the Vanderbilts made is they gave everything to their heirs. Yeah. You got it because you were a Vanderbilt. The Rockefellers made you borrow the money. You want to start a business? You can borrow the money from the family. We'll pay it back. So I would tell you, and the, uh, there's a great book by uh, Garrett Gunderson called uh, the, uh, What Would the Rockefellers Do? And um, they would. I would tell you, start that from the very beginning. If Jake comes to Nick or if Jake could come to me and say, hey, I want to borrow some money to start a business. I'd say, okay, show me a business plan. I'd talk it through with him and I'd say, okay, I'll loan you the money. You're going to pay it back. But by the way, he should borrow it from his pops because his as he pays back his pops interest and everything else, that increases his death benefit, which someday is going to be his money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Wow. So... It's amazing how that works. Well, are we getting close to... Yeah, we're getting close to that time. Um, I always end in a prayer, but I'm going to let you guys... Do you have anything that you want to say to kind of round this up on both of you? Nick? what? Okay, so... <laughs> I'll, I'll say something, <laughs> then Nick will think of something by that. Is this, is go to the community, right? And just learn about this. There's no trying to sell you anything. We're not, I mean, like, just trust me, Nathan can vouch for that. Mm -hmm. it, it comes down to this. 
educate yourself until you come to the, and we'll help you. That doesn't mean we're not going to meet with you or show you stuff. We will meet with you. But educate yourself until you come to the one of two conclusions. This is for me or this is not for me. That's all we want. Go th and is when you're meeting with us, that's all we're going to help you do is get to one of those two conclusions. And it's your choice. This is freedom, right? So educate yourself to see if this is right for you. It's made a difference in my life. It's changed my life forever. I've changed the lives of other people, which is what we do. We've done that together for eight years. And it's, I can tell you, I could stay on here for three hours telling you success stories and amazing transformations. Well, because this is uh, a like-minded audience, um, recently was going through decision-making process. And what are we supposed to do? Seek wise counsel, right? Yeah. And uh, so Jim, Jim and I talked, and then I wound up calling my pastor, who were good friends. And he goes, hey, let's turn to James 3, 13 through 18. Now, I've read the Bible cover to cover a few times, but I'm such a slow learner and such a knucklehead with the, the details <laughs> of these things. I, I'd be honest with you, it was, this was lost on me. He goes, hey, well, you asked for wisdom uh, in, in your decision-making process, so let's go here. And it says wisdom from above, and it's the instructions for making decisions. And I love how I wound up doing some research on James um, and how, like, I'm a doer. I'm a practical guy. And uh, what I did not realize is that uh, James and I could have hung out and, and talked a lot <laughs> uh, because uh, he, he, he writes my jam uh, for sure. So I would just say, listen, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of people trying to get your attention. And so don't listen to us or, or you guys or the man in the moon. We, we've got the great we've got a great reference uh, guide here. And um, I just loved reading that. I'll, I'll spare everyone me reading this whole thing. Uh, but I would encourage everybody to go to that. And that's a this is pretty heavy on my heart right now uh, to use this little uh, these few verses of the Bible to help us distill through uh, information and make make great choices. And uh, um, there's some, you know, our community is is really just to help you gain clarity on the subject matter. It's it's not to particularly sell you. We're we're, we're a pretty low hassle operation, um, you know. It's, so it's it's more of the the uh, the squeaky wheel get the grease. Uh, if if you if you want help, we're here for you. If you don't, and you watch our stuff and go, hey, this isn't for me. Cute idea, guys. Uh, thank you, but no thanks. Um, good luck. We're, 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 we won't be hassling you. So uh, yeah, they're not selling you timeshares. <laughs> No, no, we, we just, but I just want to say thank you to, to you guys for giving us this audience. Uh, thank you for all the great people that have been, I've been trying to keep up with the chat over here and listen to Jim and listen to your questions. And you, you've got a, a, a great audience, a great, a great following. And it's definitely something that uh, we resonate with. Thank you. I think one of the members was asking what was the address in James again? It was uh, what chapter? Oh. And oh, it's James 3, 13 through 18. Thank Beautiful. you. Well, it was an absolute blessing to have you on. And I would love to get you guys back. I like you in general. I just like you as guys, you know what I'm saying? But what you're bringing to the show is awesome too. And uh, like I said, you're not forceful. You guys are truth. There's not marketers. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're helping us help ourselves, which is quite appreciative because um, 
you know, that's why I had him come on because I'm part of me. I'm kind of a dumbass when it comes to some of this stuff, you know, so um, it's good to have people dumb it down for me to where I can understand it. Um, but that's the thing, though, is that we've all been dumbed down in a way. We've been information has been held from us. We don't realize what we can do because they don't want us to know that the last thing they want is to relinquish control. They want to maintain control. Mm -hmm. And if we start taking care of ourselves, that's one way that we're going to beat this system, you know, in a major way we've got to, you know, I've said before, we've got to tear this temple down and rebuild it, you know, and, and it really, it starts at home. It starts with yourself um, and being your own banker. And this is, this is such a valuable information, such a great show. I, I'm just in awe. And I, I certainly appreciate both of you. Thank, thank you. And Nathan, I, I remembered what you were, you were saying earlier that I say is whoever controls the money makes the money. Yeah. Was that it? That was one of them. But I think, uh, yeah, Nick I'm actually mentioned about the, I, the I, hero thing. Yeah. It was a hero. You know, I'm story. an old guy and it's late here on the East coast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. We're right here on that East coast with you and it's midnight. So, once again, thank you guys. And if you don't mind, we're going to end it a little bit of prayer, just like we do every night. Most important thing that we can possibly do. So if everyone would please bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you again for just another wonderful day. Thank you so much for these wonderful guests that we had on. Just giving a little bit of understanding and the wisdom to the knowledge that we have and, and understanding of what's been kept away from us. Father, I ask during these times that you just continue to give us that courage and the strength that we all need to get through these times. Just fill our hearts with all the, in our brains with all the wisdom and the discernment that we need to understand what's going on so that we can better take care of ourselves watching you and what you've taught us rather than being fooled by what the governments in this world has taught us. Dear Lord, as we continue to pray for the things that we need, I ask that you give us the same patience with us that you gave, that you had with us to bring us to the point we are today. You loved us and you cared for us in our worst times and you love us today, dear Lord. So let us love our enemies and those that work against us in the same way. Having that patience to remember the importance of praying for them. Because just like with Paul, some questionable people end up being some of your greatest servants, dear Lord. And we cannot forget that. Bless you didn't forget that with us, dear Lord, to where we are today. So thank you. Thank you for the family that you are building, dear Lord, the people that you're bringing into our lives to help us understand a little bit more of what happens on this earth, the importance of where we really store our treasures, which is in heaven. But dear Lord, you also want us to take care of these things on this earth. And we do get the freedom with the money, but we can't let that money be the ruler because that's where we get into trouble, dear Lord. Let us avoid all of the temptations and the evil that the devil tries to put on us every day as we get closer and closer to you, dear Lord, and we have more faith and strength with you in our lives. The devil targets us, dear Lord, because he doesn't want us inspiring that wisdom on the other people, bringing people down to that narrow path. Dear Lord, we're not the ones that can bring people salvation, but we can certainly be the ones that help people find the one that can give us that salvation, which is you, Father. So, dear Lord, thank you for dying on that cross and giving us the opportunities that you have today. Thank you for bringing the people onto this show, which give us this earthly wisdom that we need to navigate these times, to be able to make the changes in this world. Dear Lord, it doesn't happen with the government and those that rule us, dear Lord. We are the rulers, not Satan. So, dear Lord, give us what we need right here on this earth so that we can become better people, inspire others to become better people, to better life here for ourselves and our families, but never forgetting that the true treasure is in heaven. But, dear Lord, we are on this earth, and there are things that make things a little bit easier. But let us humble ourselves, dear Lord, lose the ego so that we spend more time being selfless rather than selfish. 
Dear Lord, continue to let us unite and not divide. Let us build your army instead of destroying theirs, dear Lord, because one day we're going to meet in that great battle and we're going to have everything that we need, that you have been dividing upon us since we were born. Before we knew you, you were working in our lives, dear Lord. Before we realized we were working for you, you were helping us work for you, bringing us to this moment that we are today, being born during this time so that we are here for the greatest battle that this world is ever going to see. Dear Lord, continue to give us the strength, the courage, and the wisdom that we need walking into these battlegrounds. And if we were to lose our lives on this battlegrounds, it would be a worthy cause because we're doing the greatest thing we can do on this earth, and that is to serve you. In Jesus Christ's name and our Heavenly Father's name, I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Well, guys, I it was an honor. Um, we are so thankful to have you on. Like I said, we, we started this conversation a couple of weeks ago with Nathan. Um, Nathan was like, listen, we've got to bring these guys onto the show and they will bring a whole more bundle of information. And you guys have, like I said, you can teach a guy like me. They, they say you can't teach old dogs new tricks. Well, tonight I will go against that because this old dog <laughs> has learned a whole lot and, I, and I'm certainly appreciative. Thank you guys. Thank you for allowing us to talk to the audience and the audience. Thank you for hanging in there and listening and um, we really appreciate it and feel blessed to be able to uh, share with you guys. Well, listen, yeah, thank you. Yeah. You guys are welcome back anytime, you know, we'll certainly get you back on, but I, I'd like to personally stay in touch with you both. Like I said, as I, I not only appreciate what you're bringing here to the table with information, but I like you both as people too. You're, you're, you're sincere, genuine people. I can see it and hear it in the way that you speak. And, and I'm grateful um, that you guys joined us this evening. Have a wonderful night. Appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for what you guys do with uh, bringing the message that you guys bring every night and the time and effort that you put into that's impressive. Absolutely. Well, my, my pleasure, man. Like I said, serving God's the greatest thing that we can do. And then learning how to help ourselves um, navigate this crazy world, which just gets crazier by the day. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we'll bring you that chaos tomorrow night because we got uh, our brother Douglas coming on. So we'll be chasing squirrels and going all over the news. But I want to thank our guests. I want to thank Nathan. I want to thank all of you here in chat. You guys are amazing. We are certainly grateful that you take just a moment to spend with us each night and those who listen to this show um, as it's published later on. You guys are all amazing. We are so grateful for all that you do. God brought us together for a reason. Don't ever forget that. So in those days where you're down, just remember one of us is going to be strong in order to lift you up as you will be there to lift us up one day as well. But I thank you so much for listening to Kilted Christian episode 498 with uh, Jim Oliver and Nick Costco. We'll be back tomorrow for episode 499 with Douglas Chasing Squirrels. I hope to see you all then. In the meantime, guys, we love you with all of our hearts, and we leave you with this. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light What so proudly we held at the twilight's last gleaming Whose broad stripes and bright stars Through the perilous fight O'er the ramparts we watched Were so gallantly streaming And the rocket's red Bursting in there, gave 
Never forget, we are very fortunate to know how this ends, and that is God wins. So fear not, stress not, let go of the anxiety, hold that line, keep serving the Lord Almighty, pray more every single day, and we're going to be here for each other to get through this. Guys, I love you very, very much. Have an absolutely beautiful evening. We will see you tomorrow night. But in the meantime, God bless.